When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, we're back with our second ever Rosie's House of Hockey podcast, a mini-series on the Riveters. Today we have the captain of the Riveters. We have Michelle Picard. Did I say that correct, Michelle? Uh, you did. Michelle Picard is correct. <laughs> uh, I have a really nasty habit of messing up everyone's name of all time, but I like to just go out there and get, get it done with. So we did that, passed that test. Um, I have a first crazy question. It says here on your Wikipedia, your nickname is Wildflower. How did you get that? <laughs> um... So I was playing in a charity tournament with like a men's league team. And I, I forget exactly how the, the uh, store, like how it happened, but they, for the weekend called me captain wildflower. I really can't remember where it originated from, but so then um, one of the guys, as we were just joking around, he decided that he's going to go into Wikipedia and put it in there so that it could be official. Um, so that's how it happened. I've got great uh, news that so that's, it is official. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it's uh, it's it was the men's league team. So I was captain wildflower for that men's league team, and uh, they'll be pumped to hear about it uh, if they if they hear this. They're they're never gonna let me live it down. So uh, <laughs> yeah, honestly, that that was also gonna be my first question. It was the it it hits you like a ton of bricks as soon as you're doing any research about you that someone out there nicknamed you Captain Wildflower. So that's. <laughs> I'm glad that it's in there and the whole world can see it. When uh, is the official great. merch coming out for the Wildflower uh, Riveters jerseys? Oh, you know that's a good that's a good idea. I'll I'll, uh, I'll reach out to our our people who make the shirts and stuff and, and see what I can do. Michelle, I'm just I don't an know idea. Why it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> um, all we require is like five percent gratuity just for coming up. With yeah, the no idea. big deal. <laughs> Um, All right, any, I if, can take care of that for you. If you're if you're Captain Wildflower, anyone else on the team have a crazy nickname that Ryan or myself would not believe? A crazy nickname that you wouldn't believe? Um, no, I, I think we've got all pretty standard, like the last names or things like that. Like nothing, that, nothing comes to the top of my head with like a good story behind it. No. So do you do the you typical, guys... typical hockey thing where you add Y on the end of everyone's last name? um do we have any of that um no we don't we've got moose but her her last name is morris i think that was she's always been called moose so that one's good um we just shorten people's names so like the wiki we call wick and aaron brewer we called brew um let's see who else we got packer we call her pack russo is russo so a lot of just like (laughs) shortening the last names i guess uh, it just it it warms my heart that you guys aren't like the Rangers where everyone's like Shaddy, Stalzy, Zibby, uh, Zooks, Zibby. It, it it's just terrible that most hockey names it's just let's just add the Y 
it sometimes it even elongates the last name and it, it just blows my mind. <laughs> um, well, we can start that if you want us to start. No, no please you. don't. You, no. You're doing, you're doing it perfect. The way <laughs> we just doing. want the gratuity on the wildflower thing. That's all we ask for. Um, let's, right, that's fair. That's fair. Let's start talking about uh, your hockey career. So how, how old did you start playing hockey? Like from a youngin, like three, four years old? Yeah, I was, I was really young. My older brother played, and so I was basically born in a hockey rink. Um, in a, in, there's, like, woods behind our yard. We had a little pond that my dad used to take care of, and so I used to be out there on sneakers and all that, and my brother would kind of stick handle around me. And um, and then as soon as I could put on a pair of skates, I was skating around, and I think my first team was when I was, like, six and played uh, boys and girls, like boys hockey and girls hockey all growing up, played for a town team, a club team nearby. Um, played high school hockey, uh, played college hockey at Harvard. Um, and then after, once I graduated, I moved to New Jersey and played with the Riveters. So when did you first know that you were like, oh, man, I'm good enough at this to be a pro? Like, when were you, were you getting scouted for Harvard? How, <laughs> how did that even happen? Like, what what is that process like? Like, someone came up to you like, hey, you're pretty good at this hockey thing. <laughs> um, well, there, because there was no pro hockey when I was growing up, my dream was always the Olympics. Um, and so that, I watched, you know, when I, the 98 Olympics, when they won gold, I was only five and couldn't really grasp it at that point. Um, but when in the, um, the next Olympics I watched and it was like, oh my goodness, I want to do this. Um, and so ever since then I, I dreamed for it and, and went for it. Um, and then I was sort of getting into high school, like, uh, I was sort of like had to choose to go to a different school so I could play like more serious hockey and, uh, get looks from colleges and things like that and when I was going through the college process and there was a lot of colleges who wanted me to come to their school to play I was sort of like wow I guess I'm all right at this <laughs> um, I ended up I, I was in the U.S. national program and um, played in some world championships I played in the 2014 Olympics and um, so I've had a really uh, great career and had some amazing coaches and just people supporting me along the way to, to help me make the dream happen and I still get to live the dream now so I'm, I'm pretty lucky. You mentioned being on the 2014 Olympic team. Is there, how do you go about, what is, what, I, I'm trying to think of a way to word this that doesn't do make me sound do like an idiot. Yeah. I'm really, really pushing through it. Um, <laughs> I, obviously, the 2014 team had the just epic showdown with Canada in the final mm -hmm. round. And then 2018, the USA team gets over the hump in Korea. As someone that was on the 2014 team and you had to sit home and watch the 2018 team, what what did what did that what did that do to you internally that you you weren't there for the I I'm really having a hard time with this. Why is this so hard? I interview people all the time. I work in news. <laughs> this isn't new okay. to me. No. I Michelle, you're our biggest guest of all time. It's really hard for Greg. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean I was I was super proud of them and so happy for them. Um, I knew. Uh, I'd played with a lot of the women on that team and I'd know, I know like all of the hard work that they'd put in for not just those four years, but eight and 12 and all of these years of dreaming about that gold medal. And um, a lot of them are, are friends of mine and I was just nothing but happy and proud and, and just so grateful that they finally got over that hump and um, were able to take home the gold medal and, and to see them celebrate and just so happy after so many years of, of uh, coming up a little bit short in that final game. So uh, happy for them and and just and finally it just felt so good so um, nothing but good good thoughts for them this is one of the this is one of the things we asked Randy last week and it, it plays into the 
the tenor of the NWHL. I I know that the league for the first time put a, a women's player onto the national team that wasn't on the radar before then. As someone that has national team experience that you bring to the league, is that a goal of yours to obviously individual success and your team success is of the utmost importance, but is it part of your mission to get this league to a competitive point where maybe a Rebecca Russo and Alexa Grushchow, someone that hasn't been on the national team radar before is now on the national team radar? Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, playing in this league, I feel like it's my job to show up ready to play and ready to compete at my best every day. And so um, if I'm doing that and if other players are, are doing that as well, um, then, then yeah, you, you should continue to get better and, and keep improving. And you never know. Um, you never know whose eyes you can open up. And, and if, you're, if you're pursuing to get better every day, then, um, yeah, there's no reason why, why that people can't get noticed within our league. And um, as, as you know, more talent keeps coming in, our league's only going to get better and stronger. And, um, and it would be exciting to, to see this league be a, a great spot where, where people can get noticed um, if they develop a little bit later. <laughs> right now, uh, you've obviously had a great, a lot of great moments in your career. Uh, can you name like a top three? Top three of my playing career, like Correct, games yeah. that I played in, you mean? Yeah, like, do you have moments that, oh, that have met the most for you? I'm, I'm really putting you on the spot here. <laughs> I mean, you can answer one if you'd like. No, I mean, playing in the, you know, Olympic final, uh, the gold medal game, even though we lost, it's still a, a huge moment for me. Um, I guess I have four that I would, that stick out in Bonus. my mind. So that game, winning the Isabel Cup championship last year, um, that is unforgettable. Um, and then my junior year of college, uh, we won the Beanpot. We beat BC in the Beanpot final at home. And uh, that was just a, a special moment just to be at home. And the, the Beanpot tournament in Boston is like, it's mostly bragging rights, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of history between us and BC. And so it felt really, it felt really good. And then uh, later on that season, um, we went to the NCAA finals. We were at the Frozen Four. We beat BC in the semifinals and then played, Unfortunately, lost to Minnesota in the finals, but that whole experience of that run of getting to, you know, be in the NCAA playoffs and, and do all of that was truly special. Wearing the Harvard jersey and, and uh, being with my teammates, that was that was probably one of the most, like, special, I guess, like, run I've ever had with the team. For a person what? who uh, would never even get considered for Harvard, what was it like going to school there? Was it as like <laughs> I, I, have, I have one friend that went there and he said, you know, it's it's pretty much what you expect. A lot of ridiculously intelligent people uh, on one <laughs> campus. Um, yeah, I think the coolest part about going to Harvard is like, you know, you sit down at lunch and you might be next to somebody you've never met before, or whatever, like one of your friends or one brings one of their friends, whatever, and you're just chatting and you kind of eventually ask them like what they're doing or what you know and and so many amazing people doing so many amazing things and just hearing different people's passions and what they're great at um it was really special like, like some really just amazing you know dinners with people just learning what they're passionate about and what they're pursuing um and I think that was the most special part about going to Harvard is there a close relationship between the men's and the women's ice hockey team at Harvard correct me if I'm wrong I, did your time overlap with Jimmy VC? Was he around on campus the same time you were? Yeah, yeah, we went, I forget, maybe a couple of years. Um, it's pretty, like, 
uh, our senior, I think, yeah, we graduated the same year. Um, so I guess like two or three years went to school together, but, um, the end of our senior years, we were both trying to decide which uh, professional team to go to <laughs> his decision a little bit, uh, a little bit more <laughs> intense than mine, but it's funny to think about. His decision was covered for like many weeks. I think uh, Greg and I talked about JBVC ad nauseum for like four or five weeks. So uh, I'm sure when you announced that you're going to the Riveters, they were extremely happy. Uh, we just, unfortunately at that time, weren't covering for the five weeks in August, which was insane by the way. Um, so now I, I think we I think we also butchered his last name for the solid the first three times we talked about. It. I think we were going with like Vessi Press. or some weird We're not we're not great again, like Ryan said, we're not great with pronunciations off the bat. Pronunciation the case. first yeah, the first four times we ever brought up Brady Shea on this podcast, we called him Skagey. Yeah, we just great did job. no research yeah. whatsoever. <laughs> how is it how is that's a great good transition, Greg? How is your hockey you, pronunciation? Bro. Because it, there is a website that came out literally this week that helps you pronounce hockey names. And I'm assuming you go through a lot of that also yourself. Um, with my last name? No, not Picard. Like, everyone you play against on, your, like, on certain what? teams are like, no, no, no. <laughs> like, I don't think mine's very hard. <laughs> no, no, no. Yours is, is, is very traditional and easy. But uh, in the, hockey, the hockey realm itself has a lot of different uh, syllables a lot of the time that makes it hard for people like me and maybe you i don't know i'm not just asking <laughs> all right well yeah no i mean but i'm not in the light same light as you and having to pronounce it publicly for people so i just i can i can hide it a little bit more i guess <laughs> it's easier uh, uh michelle the the big question for me um the, we, we we asked uh coach uh Valishek a variation of this as well you're the captain of the defending isabel cup champions that comes with a little bit more clout and responsibility than it would other teams has it changed how you handle yourself in the locker room at all this year being a defending champion as opposed to just trying to climb the mountain um I would say like the way I approach being in the locker room is just bringing in energy and like my role I feel like is just um making sure I'm someone that like other people can look up to I'm always there I'm consistent and um I don't know. I, I, my, I bring it every day. That's kind of what, that's kind of what I, how I see myself. And, um, I don't think that's any different, you know, last year trying to pursue it and be the champion. So you got to come to the rink trying to get better every day, but it's the same this year because, um, you know, people want to take the cup from you and we haven't had as successful of a year. So it's been about just staying positive in the locker room and making sure we're all, um, still, still going going forward and, and trying to get some wins on the board and you never know what can happen in playoffs. And so I think this year it's just been about staying positive and keeping the energy up. You mentioned uh, some of the struggles with the team right now. Obviously the record isn't where you'd like it to be. Randy was talking about that last week. Uh, what have for you have particularly been some things you could see that the team can improve on, on the ice? Um, I, I think we like consistency. Uh, I think we struggle to put together 60 minutes out there and, um, we'll have stretches of some tough, <laughs> tough, uh, <laughs> tough stretches and teams will put in a couple on us and, um, and we can't recover from that. Um, so that would be one area and just in staying disciplined and playing our game, um, and keeping it simple. But, um, if we can put together six, like we have it, it's just, uh, being able to do it for 60 minutes. Like I said, Michelle, you mentioned earlier in the podcast that you had a interesting route for yourself in order to get to the professional level. I know the Riveters do great programs to go out into the community and 
make the game more accessible to people that otherwise may not be able to get their hands on it. Do you feel a responsibility at all, or does the locker room feel a responsibility to not just grow the game, but maybe the young girls the even and the young boys who come out to Riverter games to show them that there's an opportunity in hockey that may not have existed before the creation of this league? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially with young girls. It's amazing. After every home game, uh, we sign autographs, and it is truly special to see all the young girls come through and just how excited they are uh, to see us and meet us. And they're, I mean, even even adults are just so, um, I guess, appreciative. I've, I've so many people have, like thanked me, and I'm like, don't thank me. Like, I, I get to play the game that I love. Um, but yeah, there's absolutely a, a responsibility in terms of going out and coaching and showing the young players that there are. There are um, professional female athletes. I mean, we play ice hockey, but there's other sports as well. And um, and I think just making our presence known, but also helping get kids playing the sport. Uh, it's done so much for me, and I've just loved to play the game. I love being on the ice. And so coaching is another passion of mine. Uh, absolutely. I, I coach with this program called Hockey in New Jersey that provides, allows kids to uh, play hockey for free. They give them equipment and, and free ice time and all that. Um, and then I also coach with the club team, the New Jersey Colonials. Um, and so a lot of, I just love seeing how, how, I just love growing the sport, but also I've gotten, I've been lucky enough to be coached by some amazing people. And so just kind of sharing what I've learned throughout my career. Before I ask my next question, uh, I think you bring up a really good organization there. So one of my big worries as a hockey fan is that, especially in the Northeast region, not I mean, not Boston, of course, it's a hockey city, but even like the New York area and, and sort of Philly, it's, it's kind of hard for people to play hockey. You need to wait for ice time at like midnight. Uh, I worry about the future development of hockey, especially because if you're not from Minnesota or like one of those hockey hotbeds, uh, you're never really going to get the accessibility. So it's really nice that that New Jersey – what was the, the what was it called again? The New Jersey hockey. So I there's hockey in New Jersey. Hockey they in have New a Jersey. couple. They have programming in Jersey City and Newark and uh, Montclair and there's two others. Um, and then and that's a that's completely free and it's community. Uh, there's a lot of them in rec centers, but like it's all community based and um, and that's an amazing organization giving kids these opportunities. Like so, I started coaching there two springs ago in Newark and just kids trying skating for the very first time as like an eighth grader or so that's like 13 11 or yeah. 12 13 years old and just to see their faces trying to skate for the first time is probably one of the coolest um moments that i've ever witnessed on the ice uh so that that organization is, is truly special to me um and i love coaching with them well, it's good. It's good because I, I really sometimes do worry about uh, kids having the accessibility to play hockey, but something like that is really nice. Uh, back to your career just very quickly. Uh, I wanted to know how you were chosen for captain and how that process went down. <laughs> um, so Randy, was uh, he's new to this our team this year, uh, and I think he got a lot of – he talked with Chad a lot. So I've been on the team. This is my third season. Um, and I, I think he just spoke with Chad the most and, and – um, just kind of got, he was, he was, or sorry, Randy, you know, we'd had some practices and he sort of got a little bit of a feel of who people were, but, um, yeah. And then one day he sort of just pulled me aside and, um, told me that I was the captain <laughs> and, and that was it. But I, and Packer and, uh, Kira Dazzle are assistants, but the three of us work 
together 100% and uh, I'm really lucky to have them. And so it's definitely a, a three-person team uh, leading or with the with the letters. Um, but but yeah, that was the process. Pretty simple. <laughs> yeah, it's a little it's a little disappointing that it wasn't some kind of Thunderdome where you guys really fought out for the letters and the last three people standing got them. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely wouldn't have been the winner if that were the case. We got some scrappy fighters on our team. <laughs> um, you mentioned coaching. Is that is that where your eyes are after your playing career wraps? I mean, obviously, you're still very young. You have a lot of playing days ahead of you. But do you already have an eye towards coaching? Are you doing extra things on the side where one day, if this league continues to expand, you can see yourself standing behind the bench of the next generation of players? <laughs> Um, oh, I don't know. I haven't really thought about coaching to the league, but in terms of coaching youth hockey, uh, yeah, I do that right now and I love it. And, um, if, if the opportunities present themselves then then yeah, I could see myself staying in coaching, um, but really haven't thought about, you know, what Avenue I, I would go down, um, if I'd want to do higher level or, or stick with, with youth. Um, but I like the kids. They keep me, they keep me young and en- energized for sure. <laughs> You mentioned and, that you went to Harvard. Uh, you obviously were, spent a lot of time in Boston. Did you become? Did you succumb uh, to becoming a Pats fan while you were there? Growing up in Massachusetts, yes, I'm a Pats fan. <laughs> I'm very excited for February third. You should be. Uh, I want you to know that even though I'm a New York Rangers fan, I root for Tom Brady very openly. So I'm very excited for you. And congratulations on your fourth in five years <laughs> Super Bowls, you assholes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I had a lot to do with it. I was a big part of all yeah. those um, wins. So. <laughs> I just feel like everyone in Massachusetts is a big part of it. They're, it's all like, on their blood. I uh, just had to double check. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm a big Pats fan. I love it. I've watched with my family all growing up. We'd have our, you know, football Sundays and all that. So I think it more stems from those experiences than anything else. But yes, Pats fan. And I, I, I say it proudly in this area, even though I get a lot of crap for it. Oh, people are over it. It's over. Like, who cares anymore? Do, Do your parents ever sit you down and explain to you how once upon a time being a Boston sports fan was really hard? I was, yeah, I was sort of at the uh, end of, so when the Patriots were still pretty bad, and uh, they, when they won that first year, my dad, he explained it. He was like, you don't understand. This doesn't happen ever. Yeah. Well. Um, so. <laughs> Congra- congratulations. Now it happens literally every year. Yeah, it happened four yeah, months with ago. With the Red Sox and the Celtics, yeah. or Bruins. Like, yeah, we're, and the Celtics. We're lucky. Guys had big yeah, three the Celtics too. too. Ugh, God, disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, love, it's a, I would love it's it a hard life you live. I, I, my heart goes out to you. It, <laughs> it seems like a really as a as a New York Met fan, uh, I would have no idea what it is like to go through. So, yeah, Mets. Sorry, that was the best no, laugh it, of the whole podcast. Really, it was. Yeah, it, <laughs> it was like a genuine sadness for Greg, which I appreciate. Yeah, it, it, it's it's all right. I cry myself to sleep every night. Um, it was there. Was there a player you styled your game after growing up? Uh, obviously, you know, everyone we, – we've had Rebecca Russo on the podcast before, and I told her that her style of play just reminds me of Theo Fleury. Was there a style <laughs> of yours that you tried to mold your game after? Um, I, I don't think so. I mean, I was always just um, – I was just always good at playing defense, um, so that's what I prided myself on. And um, – I don't know. I, I don't remember being like seeing watching anyone play and be like, "Ooh, I want to play just like them." Um, now I love watching like Tori Krug and Ryan McDonough play. I just think that they're great um, players. 
Um, but I wouldn't say like, oh, I want to play like them. <laughs> I'll ask like a totally but, different, different my... version of this question. Oh, go on, Greg. Sorry. I, I was going to say, when you're watching a hockey game, do your eyes almost immediately go towards defensive players? Are you are you yes. paying extra close attention to them? Yeah, like I'll pick I'll pick defensemen and I'll watch them during their shifts um, just to see sort of what they're doing, um, how they're moving the puck. And sometimes I'll watch forwards too, just to like um, get a better sense of like what I could be doing with, in the offensive zone if, with the puck and things like that and different moves. But yeah, I usually pick a defenseman and try and learn from them when I'm watching. I'm going to throw a real interview question at you. It's kind of like similar to what Greg asked and is on the ice. Like what's your particular unfair advantage? What's the thing that gives you the edge over other players? Oh, um, <laughs> I know that was good, right? Um, it was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I would say just my, like, like battling for pucks. Like, I, you know, I just, I love being in the corners battling and winning those pucks and, um, and moving the puck to my teammates. And so I just say, like, I'll, you know, I'm not the flashiest player by any means, um, but somehow just, like, find a way to get the job done. <laughs> uh, Sometimes scrappy is better. Yeah, that's, I know my role. I know my role. So right now, the, we're going to be coming out to the Riveters game, I believe, on February second. Um, we're I, we've vouched on this podcast many times how awesome the games are and how great the crowds are. What can you say about the attendance and the fans right now that that other people might not know? Our Riveters fans are so loyal. We have this group, um, Rivs Nation, that are always at our home games. They always come through our autograph line. And so there's that core group that are just staying strong and they're amazing. So they sort of like set the tone for all of Rivers fans and they're always cheering. And even this year without as much success, uh, people are still in the building and super excited to watch us play. And so there's definitely an energy in the building. And so if you're going to come to the game, you got to bring your energy and be ready to have some fun. We, we were there in a media role of the first game we went to and it would take every five minutes. I'd look at Ryan and he'd be cheering. I was like, bro, this is not something we can yeah, do. We, we weren't allowed to. We're, I, I had the media we're. pass on. I can't clap. It's upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got to stay neutral. Yeah. Yeah. Neutral. Total real journalist over here. That's me. Um, <laughs> Greg, do we have any final How, questions here? Oh, you, you do. Obviously. I, I, I have, I have a couple. Um, one of the, one of the main themes of this little series we're doing is trying to understand the, expansion of the women's game obviously it's not as simple oh, oh boy oh boy <laughs> oh boy well she was done <laughs> she didn't she didn't like where i was going with that yeah she question. was like obviously and she's like fuck that she hung up that that was uh harvard sniffed that right out i'm gonna like, keep I'm this part in this. so there you go this is, this is, this is, uh for those who don't know michelle hung up on us what yes uh well we'll keep this part in because we're extending time gregory Currently, I am going through the flu, and I gotta tell you, it is 102 degrees. I'm sure Michelle will call back. uh, Yeah, you're gonna survive. Great question. Uh, No, I will. uh, She'll call back. uh, I'll start telling the story, and she'll call back right in the middle of it. 100. I I was playing Dungeons and Dragons like a true American hero last night with a couple couple of our good friends, and everything. Every that's true, and everything was fine. And then all all of a sudden, I was the coldest I've ever was ever. And then mm. I was putting blankets on me left and right. And then I was trembling in bed for three hours. And since then, I've had a 102-degree fever. But yet, here I am. I won't lie to you. Uh, you sound pretty good. I'm All things considered. I'm doing, like, the most adult, like, suck it up. And I'm going right back to bed. 
Yeah, I hey, I've been there. I appreciate uh, remember, you sa- saying I sound good though. Yeah, I, if you if you hadn't told me that you were dying, I I would think I that you're. I will okay. show you the thermometer readings. They are not great. I'm okay. I don't I don't need to see those. I, I, no, Do you believe you, me. I'm not going to ask you how you took your temperature because this is a very professional podcast and that, that is this isn't our normal podcast. So I'll save that one. I'll save that one for, for, uh, the, good for old, the good Monday nights. Uh, there's a chance she doesn't come uh, back. If that's the yeah, case, I'll, I'll ask, I'll ask you the question I was going to ask. All right. I'll, I'll answer uh, I'll answer for Michelle. How about that? I, I just, I'm always curious to see how players are forecasting the expansion of the women's game. Uh, I know, there was mm-hmm, mm-hmm. some heat earlier this week on the old Twitter.com because uh, after the CWHL All-Star Game, Stan Fischler went out and asked, well, why don't they just merge? And obviously it is not as simple as two leagues being like, you know what, that's a great idea. Let's just do that. There are well, financial ramifications. Well, Greg, there's those. a lot of financial things that have to be done by people that know more than I do at this point in time. I'm sure down the road both leagues would benefit from each other's talent. Uh, we'd love to mm. see it. We'd love to see a league that could play together. It's obvious. Oh, you're doing hockey talk right now. This I am. Is really good. I am. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'd love to see a league that could play together. Uh, obviously, more competition is is better for the league, and I think if we grow, uh, one of the best ways to do that would be a fusion. But again, uh, I'm not the person who makes the decision. I go out there and play my I, best game every night. I, w- I will say this, and and Mike Murphy is fantastic about this. Oh, the oh, oh shoot. I'm so sorry. That's okay, Michelle. We're still recording, <laughs> we, we, uh, and I pretended to be we you. Time. So you're back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I thought you were just so over whatever question I was going to ask. You're like, nah, fuck this. I don't need I'm you. done. <laughs> all right. So uh, fed up. All right. So let's see what, what she says to the question I answered for her. Go ahead, Greg. Right. I, I'm just, I'm super curious where you think the not just the nwhl is but the expansion of the women's game and what you think is next it it's really easy for people lack of a better term idiots like myself and ryan Mm -hmm. who say well why don't the cwhl and nwhl just merge it seems like logical i know it's not that simple there are very complicated matters that have to go into but just from where you sit it's 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 that boring like job interview question like where do you see yourself in five years but where, where do you see the women's game going in the next five years? Um, you, yeah, you're right. Uh, the, the merge is complicated. Um, I, I think in the next, oh gosh, I don't even know how to answer this question. My, my, in the next five years, I suppose I see us continuing to expand to other, other locations. Um, hopefully maybe one or two more in the next five years, but just, getting more and more college players and increased uh, competition um, and just better, better play and, and hopefully just building momentum. Um, I don't know how, I don't know if the league will be drastically different in five years, um, but I'm, I hope to see just um, continued supply or improved player support and, and just, um, you know, making baby steps along the way in terms of like the players access to, you know, different treatments and things like that um and and just different uh location or added locations um that would be my hope i suppose (laughs) how how excited do you get to see the involvement of nhl teams in into the league i mean obviously the pagulas are very active with the buttes um not the Buttes. Is it the Buttes? Yep. I'm confusing myself now. It is the Buttes. Nailed it. Uh, The Riveters have the uh, partnership with the New Jersey Devils, and not even a couple weeks ago, the Bruins announced their deal with the Pride. Does does that 
lift up a locker room just to know that this there's investment from the outside coming in and this game seems to be I think solidifying is the word I would go with it it does seem to have a really strong foundation yeah it's certainly exciting um that these partnerships are happening um and for me it's just getting to the point where it's not men's and women's hockey it's just loving hockey regardless of who's playing and I like I'm not so naive to think, you know, like that we're going to get to this, the point that, you know, the NHL is at anytime soon. Um, but just getting the, the respect as athletes is, is what I'm biggest on in terms of like, yeah, I play, a, you know, for a women's professional league. And yeah, right now it's, you know, it's, I, it's a, it would be like a part-time job in terms of like, I'm not making a, a complete living off of it. Um, but that doesn't make me any less of an athlete than a male counterpart who's playing in the NHL, who's got, you know, way more resources and all these things to be able to do it for a living. Um, and so that's where I just like to see it get to the point of like, it's just, it's hockey um, regardless of who's playing and, and both athletes are, should be seen in the same light. Um, so that's my, that's my thoughts on it. <laughs> no, we're, we're right there with you and not, not for nothing. 100% the during the Olympics last year, the women's tournament was 20 times more exciting than the men's tournament. And that is not me blowing smoke up anyone's ass. It's just a straight up truth. Well, the I was much more invested in <laughs> the, the U.S.-Canada so... women's game than I was any other game during that entire competition. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's great hockey. And, and that's just what I want people to see is, is that it's, it's great hockey. It's not great women's hockey. Or it's not great men's hockey. It's just it's hockey. Um, so. All right, Michelle, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Um, hopefully we'll see you at the game on February. Well, we'll definitely see you at the game on February 2nd. You'll be there playing. <laughs> if anyone else wants to come down, you can come down and meet Michelle. And uh, we'll also be there on February 2nd. We'll hopefully see you there. Michelle, uh, good luck the rest of the season. And hopefully you guys kill it once you get to the playoffs. Also, Thank you. Plug, I appreciate plug, it. Uh, plug your social media while you're here. So you, you're called back in. The least we can do is make sure people can follow you. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter as Shellfish20, and it's the same on Instagram. Um, but now after this pot, maybe I'll have to change it to, like, Captain Wildflower. You got to change. You got to change. Oh, but you're, ve- you're verified. You can't change. You got the blue check mark. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, you're done. All right. Thank you so much, Michelle. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes. Ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.